I'm Checo Varese, cinematographer of the show Them, and this is the Go Creative Show. Hello and welcome to the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. My name is Ben Consoli, and today's guest is Checo Varese, director of photography for the new Amazon Prime show, them. Now, Checo, there is so much to talk about with this series, and I cannot wait to dive into it with you. But before we get there, I just want to quickly mention our sponsor today, MZ Education for Creatives. Head over to gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ and check it out for yourself. Don't forget coupon code GCS20 for 20% off. Of course, encourage you all to follow us on your favorite podcast app, search Go Creative Show, and we will be right there, as well as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, where we post exclusive content not heard on the show. All things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. Checo, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm very happy. Thank you so much for having me back at home. Yeah, you were on for It Chapter 2, which yeah. I absolutely loved. And uh, it was a lot of fun talking with you. So if you guys listening want to learn more about Checo's work, specifically It Chapter 2, it's in. It, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's at gocreativeshow.com. So, but this time, I feel so bad because you kind of awoke <laughs> to immediately realize you had an interview scheduled. So you're kind of like, you haven't even had coffee yet. I want to apologize for the scruffy look. It's not an option. <laughs> I should have had a tie and a thing. I look at my watch and it's like, oh my God, I grabbed the computer. Ben helped me with the technology. Um, I'm having coffee. So the first part of the interview will be a little <laughs> more subdued and a little romantic. The later part will be a little more exciting. So if you guys That's hold right. on for the first 15 minutes, we'll be fine. Yes, that's right. We'll roll into it. Where are you? You said you were on the East Coast. I'm uh, in Richmond, Virginia, shooting um, a Hulu uh, series. Uh, it's called Dopsic, uh, directed by Barry Levinson, Michael Cuesta, uh, Danny Strong, and Patricia Regan. It's a mini series about the opioid pandemic. Ah, oh, yeah, that's great. It's very, it's his own kind of horror. Yeah, oh, Jesus, yes. Exactly. And it's touched yeah. so many people's lives. Did you see the pharmacist documentary? I think it was HBO. Yes. And actually it's fascinating. We are in a, in Richmond with a crew that comes from a little bit all over the place, like whatever, you know, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, everybody you talk to has a cousin, a brother, a sister, a mother, yeah. a father, uh, a relative, a friend that has either died or is going through um, addiction for something your doctor gave you. It's yeah. not like you went in a corner of the street and bought it. Your doctor gave you. The, the person you trust most. The person you trust most because he's going to keep you healthy. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, it is wild how many people it affects. And like, I guess it's a good thing that, you know, it's all over the news and in TV shows and documentaries because it's just kind of bringing it out in the open. So there's no shame in kind of admitting that you're struggling, but it's really sad. Just the whole no. thing is sad. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Them. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're here them. to talk about them, them exactly. on Amazon Prime. The whole season, all 10 episodes is available now so you guys can check it out. And of course, we're going to dig into a few um, different aspects of it. But the general, you know, the description of the show is that it's a limited anthology series that explores terror in America. And this first season 
takes place in 1950s, and it centers around a black family who moves from North Carolina to the all-white Los Angeles neighborhood during the period known as the Great Migration. So there's a lot in this series. There's a lot of you know, terror and horror. There's a lot of um, depictions of racism. It, it really covers a whole bunch of different topics. One of the things that I think the show does so well in the cinematography is creating a feeling of anxiety and terror. And that is, that's difficult to do because you have to make people feel like something is wrong, even when visually you're not seeing anything wrong. It's weird. Like, so in this, in this series, when the family goes to Compton. It has this Stepford Wives kind of like perfect idyllic, you know, 1950s look about it. And in many ways, that look was and still is to, to a lot of people very appealing, this kind of suburban, you know, family lifestyle. And but you have to kind of you, you as you're watching it, you always knew something was wrong. And I want to talk to you about kind of your process and some of the tricks that you employ to create cinematography that gives you a sense of anxiety and terror. So just one side note, the, the show was shot. I shot the pilot. Uh, I share the, the, the burden of most of the shot with Javier Grovet, ASC cinematographer. Yeah, we've had him and, on too. Yeah. And um, Suki Medneyevitz, another ASC member cinematographer, helped me on episode three, which we'll talk um, a little bit about it. So, the first meeting or the first few meetings that I had with uh, little Marvin, the creator and writer, which is a fascinating character. This is his first show. Very mm. first. There's nothing. He's done nothing wow. related to this world before. He's been a successful this, a successful that, a successful whatever. One day he said, oh, my God, I love, well, you'll find it in the Internet. But, oh, my God, I love this. I love that. I love horror. Let me write one. Here we go. You're watching his first this is his opera prima. Unbelievable. You know? So it's uh, so when I met him, he has this fascinating personality, super charming. And the one thing, and he's an enthusiast. Everything is everything is good. Everything is. So the first thing he said is, "I would like." He never says, "I want." He said, well, "I would like," which is even more committing to us because I would like is so polite that you have to give it to him no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, he, he would say, I want, I would say, maybe I can't, because I would like, then it's like, oh God, I'm done. I have to give it. I have to deliver it. Um, I would like this to be a very 1950s traditional classic look shot through the eyes of somebody that did movies in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it's like using the, the, the camera language and the zooms and the and the distortion of the 70s and the active feeling of the 70s with the 90s tricks of the music videos and the 21st century technology. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So I'm like... So what do you do with that? But because he said, I would like, then I'm like, oh, of course I can give it to you. But but of course, you know, if he would have said, (laughs) I want you, I said, you're crazy, forget it. So... It's fascinating. So we we started by saying it was a blank slate. Any cameras you want, any lenses you want, show me what you have. So we started by saying, I started by saying that I thought 239, the the aspect, the aspect ratio, ratio um, would be the most adequate for loneliness, 
Fascinatingly enough, because people think 239 is for Lawrence of Arabia and the vistas. Hmm. Actually, if you think about it, the rectangle and the space between the left side and the right side, it's enormous. So you can create a lot of fear in it. You Hmm. can create a lot of negative space. You can create a lot of emptiness. Imagine a, a rectangle with some little character sitting on the left and the rest of it is dark. So that was the first step. And I thought, and he, he jumped into the swimming pool of 239, super happy. Then we went into anamorphic versus non-anamorphic, and, and that was resolved quickly. We didn't shoot, a, we shot anamorphic in some of them, non-anamorphic, but especially one of the things that I said, and, and we sort of discussed, this is pre-COVID, so we could talk without a mask. Exactly. Now it's like the distance on the phone. Um, we had long conversations about my theory about fear is what you don't see. You know, it's, it's, it's the absence of information that's what makes you fearful. You know, if you don't know, you're afraid. If you know, you're not afraid anymore. Knowledge is what gives you the sense of peace and stability. Yeah. So if you think of a very successful comedy, it's brightly lit and it's not brightly lit, but it's properly lit and you see everything because you need to see everything to be able to enjoy and laugh. Mm -hmm. If it's dark and it's very, very dark and you only see a corner, that gives you fear. What's happening back there is a little kid in the middle ages in a little French town that goes out at night and he hears the wolf, but doesn't see him. That's the fear. That's a good, it's a good point. And, and completely true. You're right. Comedies are lit. And actually I remember we had the director of photography for, Oh my God, what's it called? Oh, I'll, I can't remember the, it's a comedy, but it was, um, Oh my God, that's killing me. It'll, it'll come back to me. But, um, it, it basically the, the conversation was about how, how do you, how do you make something funny if it's living in the shadows so much? Like the, the style of the f- f- uh, cinematography was very dark, but it was a comedy. I'm going to look it up right now as you talk so I can. Yeah. So, and the third thing is, <clears throat> I have a quote that I gave to an interview a few weeks ago, but it's, it's what you don't let the, let's let the audience linger on what they don't know and never show it to them because then they want more, you know, that's the other thing. So with those tools, we, we started the journey and the journey was fascinating because also we had different directors, Nelson Craig, um, Ty West, you know, very talented, uh, Janixa Bravo, a wonderful, wonderful director that did episode five, I believe, uh, they all start to mix with each other. Um, and then somewhere, somehow, I'm a cheerful person and an enthusiast, but I must be very dark somewhere because I end up having all these horrible ideas about how to kill people and how to torture people and how to make people afraid. So must, I must have been some kind of a cockroach uh, in two or three <laughs> incarnations before. Um, but I come up with this very, very dark places. Some, sometimes they were too dark, even for little Marvin saying, oh my God, no, 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 we cannot do that. I'm like, okay. But it, it was fascinating also because we had a lot of input as cinematographer. I personally had a lot of input in, in the storytelling part. Mm. 
And it was very open. As do you like this tool? Do you like that? Do you like Dutch? I mean, is the camera when she starts thinking about something? Is the camera dodging a good tool? Yes, but not too many times. Is the yeah. out of focus? Is the split diopter? So we really used every possible uh, tool in 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 the garage, you know. And I was digging in the in the old toolbox yes. of the garage, you know. Well, and let's like, talk oh about <clears throat> let's yeah. talk about those tools because when you're creating a look of anxiety, a feeling of terror, what are some of the things that you're doing in the camera movement, in the lighting that make people feel that way? In the lighting, first of all, it has to be beautiful. You has to be engaged, and I hope it is. I'm the worst judge of my own work, but it has to be beautiful. You have to be engaged. You have to grasp this sense of step for wise or whatever you say, whatever you, you quote it, but this sort of glitzy, beautiful, silky, glamorous life that they had in the suburbia. And then you peel this woman in episode one starts peeling the wallpaper. And that's a metaphor for what's underneath it. You know, underneath it, there is mold, there is worms, there is who knows what there is. So you start by by revealing the obvious and making it beautiful. And then there is this character, let's say they're having dinner and the camera pans to the left a little bit, unnoticeably. Hopefully the editor uses it, by the way, that's the other problem. You pan to the left unnoticeably and you frame it in a way that it's like here on my head, but on my left, there is more space. Mm. In that space, you reveal a dark door. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. And then in the reverse, you do the same. But in the next take, you start pushing towards the dark door. And then the audience says something is going to happen. Yeah. Subconsciously. And you turn around again and you come back. And all of a sudden, in the next take, the door is closed. It's either a mistake from the set dressing gentleman that walk out and close the door, which is possible. And everybody goes, oh, my God, that's it. That's it. That's it. Let's close the door. Or it's a conscious decision and the yeah. door is closed and you don't know what happened. So those kind of little tricks that you basically take <clears throat> humanity. It's about the accumulation of information you take and you watch the Hitchcock movies. And you watch another thriller or French, the French are masters and, and the Dutch, sorry, the the Danish and the Norwegians are masters of horror because they 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 live six months of the year inside and like an igloo. So they <laughs> nothing else to do other than do movies about people being killed or kidnapped or whatever. <clears throat> if you watch those at some point. The accumulation of information is going to... So you take a little bit of Hitchcock, a little bit of that movie. We haven't invented anything. I mean, Esopus, Esopus, how do you say it? The, the, the Greek uh, philosopher, Esopus, whatever. All the things he wrote 3,000 years ago are the same things we're doing right now. So nothing is new. You basically, in Spanish, you say refrito, refry. You take this piece of meat and that piece of that, and the next morning you have this refry thing that it tastes fantastic. But it's a little bit of what, what we all have done in life. And that's what you do. I remember that time I was alone and the, the house had a noise and the window moved the curtains a little bit like this. I got scared. You put that in a movie and that's what it is. So 
I like the analogy. Well, not an analogy, but I like the the thought that fear and terror live in the unknown. So kind of creating frames where there's a lot of negative space that sort of draw your eye in a way to something that you're not even talking about or that the scene isn't even about. But by being dark, by being mysterious, it makes you want to know what's there. And I think Correct. that makes sense. And I, and I saw that a lot in the framing. Another thing I saw that you guys did is a lot of camera movement, Dutch angles kind of spinning on the camera's access. There was a lot of disorienting camera movement. Talk to me about that decision. That may... That may feel very new. That may feel very ose and very modern. You take a movie like The Conjuring from the 70s, or you take a movie, you take The French Connection, you know. Mm. There is this guy running and there is a zoom that chases the guy and the zooms back. If I do it today, they go, there is some film geeks like you and me that would say, oh, The French Connection. Um, some other people would say, oh, my God, I've never seen that because my daughter is 13. She's never seen it. She hasn't yeah. seen the Friends Connection yet. So something is new. So we took all the elements and we took those elements, but we tried, hopefully successfully, to relate it to the actual story. And that's one thing that myself and, and Javier, um, the other cinematographer, it's either related to the story or it's a gratuitous move, or it's a gratuitous trick. If it's a gratuitous trick, then it takes you out of the story. But where Let's, is that line? Like, how do you de- how do you know that? So, I have the wrong T-shirt. But somewhere in your heart, somewhere in your soul, somewhere in your gut, it's that line is there. There is nowhere else. There is no manual. There is no. I can explain it to you, and I'll make the same mistake next time. It's it's somewhere. It's instinctual. And it's a combination, you know, there is little Marvin there, there is the director, it's myself and the operator, and the operator does it, and I go, ugh, and little Marvin goes, ugh, and the director goes, yes, so there's three versus one, <laughs> or, or vice versa, the director goes, ugh, and we all go, so, you know, you know, it's like, I'm not a musician, and I don't have a musical ear, but if I'm standing in the orchestra and listening to a an orchestra, you hear the one violin in the back plays a wrong string. Even a deaf person will hear it. Mm. Well, deaf, no, but even a person that is not educated in music. So it's yeah. instinctual. It's inside your heart. And it has to do with your story. It has to do with your background. It has to do with your taste. Do you have this kind of taste? That's why it's so subjective. I could work with 10 directors and I'll be 10 different DPs because yeah. you, it's completely subjective. Do you feel like you push the boundaries um, with your work on them? Oh, definitely. We did Mm. push the boundaries, and I did push the boundaries. Within within the mantra or the party line, depending on what you want to, of this is in a 1950s classical project movie, with a 70s point of view, with a 90s, 2000 technology or mm-hmm. tricks. If you keep that in mind, what we did, it's that. Mm. There, is, there is very little visual effects when it's related to actually monster and horror. There's a lot of visual effects because we shot it in 2021 and you have to turn it in 1950s. Of know, there, there is a lot of that. Or a lot of whatever. We try to avoid, but there is unavoidable. 
But when we didn't create a Godzilla coming through the, you know, the, we didn't create a, a pool of, you know, like an a, a avalanche of blood into somebody's backyard. That was not the point. So most of it we did on camera. We, we put a Myler sheet, which is this sort of very reflective sort of party gel you use to for the balloons. You know, okay. we yeah. pointed the camera at one of those balloons and the reflection, it's flat because it's very stretched. But then if you take the finger and go like this, the reflection goes distorted. Oh. That's what we did in episode eight. You know, we had. A, so you we, so you were fil- you actually had like a piece of this film in front of the lens. Well, imagine a mirror. OK. Yeah. And you shoot through the mirror, but the mirror is made from this material that it's plasticky, you okay. know. So when you distort it, the distortion goes like that. Oh, cool. And if you don't distort it, it just looks normal. It just looks or like a yeah, it, it looks like it looks like a mirror, maybe not. It looks like a non-perfect mirror, but it, if I don't distort it, you want to know anything. OK. So then this person is watching somebody that is a normal person and blinks and opens the eyes again. And this person has this metaphorical demon and then blinks again and it backs back to the normal person. Yeah. So every time she blinked or he blinked, he blinked, this person was turning into a monster. So you could do that with function F5 control three in Maya and, and it's a VFX, or you can do it the old fashioned way. So when mm. camera was locked off, the mirror was locked off. We had a woman there, the real woman, and she was perfect. And then we distorted a little bit. Then we took her out. We put uh, a stunt person in jail and like horns and whatever. And we did the same. And the editor sort of sandwiched them together with the help of visual effects, probably because you need to blend some images. Sure. But what you see or 90% of what you see was done on camera. And that was another thing that we're very proud of it. I am very proud of it. You know, the I love diet. that. Yeah. It, Having so, it, do you have a picture of you using this technique? If you somewhere, have one, somewhere it, it in somebody's be, cell phone, I'll, I'll send it to you. That would I, be great. I, it, it's unfortunately, it's funny. 25 years ago, there were, there were no cell phones. Everybody had a Polaroid. I have boxes and boxes and boxes of Polaroid of me on set. Yes. Today, my cell phone. My iPhone, it's better than the Nikon I had 25 years ago. I don't have any pictures because we're all so paranoid about social media and leaking information, et cetera, that nobody takes pictures. I don't have any pictures. It's so funny. Yeah. It's the opposite, which is yeah. a good thing, probably, you know. So that's a big concern. You, you have to oh, worry yeah. about things leaking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you literally are trained to... Like it's the COVID, you know, you, you don't take your mask off and you don't take pictures, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and it's fascinating. I don't have pictures from me on set other than the still photographer that works for the studio that is not going to give me the pictures until two years from now because they're at an embargo. I don't have anything. Mm. Yeah, I may have a picture of me sleeping in the camera truck, but that is not helpful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the do's and don'ts of horror cinematography. And I've got a lot of people listening to the show right now in the Go Creative Show audience. They love horror. They want to film more of it. They want to be better at it. Uh, You have so much experience with it. Are there any little tips and tricks or do's and don'ts, if you will, that you can teach us and our audience here? 
It is a, this is the hardest question you ever made to me, and we've been together now for That's 90 right. minutes. A, a total I, of what, I, from two hours now? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know because every day... So the one thing I advise to operators is try to operate through the viewfinder. Mm. And uh, assuming you have a viewfinder, you know, if the cell phone doesn't work. Yeah. Why? Because you are the only person that will see this event like the audience. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm looking at you in my computer but there is somebody walking there. Mm-hmm. So I get distracted or I see a shadow in the reflection of my monitor or the craft service, young little lady, it's bringing, Oh, I'm hungry hamburgers. Yes. So the frame stays because I'm a good operator, but Oh, the hamburgers are coming. If you're here, you're the only one that sees it like the audience mm. will see it with no distractions. And if instinctually you believe in that, then you're fine. Mm. That's the first thing. And the other thing you should never do as an operator, as a cinematographer, this is, it's a very hard thing, but this is not my project. This is the director's project or the showrunner's project. Yeah. In television, it's a little more complicated because it's everybody and their grandmother's project. But <laughs> let's say we're talking about a movie, you know, it's his project. And if he really wants a pink fireplace with yellow flowers in it, so be it. That's his movie. Um, If he really wants this to be a Steadicam or whatever, moving through the wall, you try and say, listen, I think it's better for camera language to do this. No, 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 no. I really want that. Say, can we do both? No, I really only want that. Yes, sir. Or yes, ma'am. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And I'll embrace it and I'll do the best I can because it's their movie, it's not your movie. And that's the only piece of advice for any project. Yep. Because in six months, this person, this woman, this guy is going to be sitting in the Sundance Film Festival hating you because you never gave him that one shot he wanted <laughs> to have. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's not going to mention your name. Yes. Yeah. That It, it is It is not my project. I'm a yeah. tool. I'm, I'm, I'm a brush in somebody's hand. I'm, I'm, I'm the color red of the palette. You know, I'm not. And being, being anarchist is great. Being, being uh, irresponsible is great, but at some point it's not my project. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. This is what we do. Let's take a quick break and talk about our sponsor today, MZ Education for Creatives. Now, when you go to mz.com, you're going to find a whole bunch of courses in all the subjects that you want to learn more about directing, cinematography, post-production, visual storytelling, and more. And if you go to gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ, you will be able to, when you do your checkout, type in GCS20 and get 20% off your purchase. Now, when you go to MZ, you can buy individual courses, and that's a great way to do it. But I I suggest that you become an MZ Pro member because then you get access to their hundreds and hundreds of hours of high-quality video-based filmmaking education. It's all there, and you guys are going to love it. Now, I'm not talking about just kind of your run-in-the-mill education here. I'm talking about people at, at the top of their game teaching you their craft. Vincent Laferre, Shane Hurlbut, Philip Bloom. Uh, the editor of Whiplash in La La Land, Tom Cross. Uh, he has a course. These are people at the top of their game. They're working in the field, working in this business, and they are teaching you. I mean, that is like exactly what we love here at Go Creative Show. That's what it's all about. 
So once again, head over to gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ, M-Z-E-D. Don't forget to type in GCS20 to get 20% off when you do your checkout right there in the uh, in the checkout code. GCS20 for 20% off, and it's all there at gocreativeshow.com forward slash MZ, education for creatives. I want to talk about the, the little bit of controversy with this series. And... You know, I saw the first, as I often do, I, I hate to like read reviews or or listen to the kind of behind the scenes nonsense until I've seen the project. So I, I saw two episodes and then I started reading reviews and seeing what's going on. And honestly, I was kind of surprised to hear that there was controversy about the aesthetic of them and how people found a lot of similarities between the work you did on them and Jordan Peele's Us. And I... You know, I have to ask you about this because it is something people are talking about when they talk about the series. Do you have any thoughts on that? What do you say to the people that are criticizing um, the way that it looks, the way that it is, because it's so similar to Jordan Peele's work? Um, I always find it fascinating. But first of all, I never I'm, I'm not a horror movie audience. I get scared and I don't watch horror. I do them all, but I never watch them. So I, 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 <laughs> You're I have a scaredy to, cat when you watch TV, of course, uh, when you watch movies. Of course. I put my, that, that's my feet up. That's probably what makes I, you so I, good at what you do. I, I put my feet up. I don't leave my feet in the dark. You know, I turn on the lights of the house. No, 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 no. I'm the worst audience. I have to confess I never saw us. So mm-hmm. it's a moot point for me. But in any case, why don't we think about it for a minute in a different perspective? First of all, I believe us was done at the same time or parallel because we started, this was written in 2017, 2018. It was pitched to Amazon and we started shooting in August, 2019. Mm. So us, us, I think it came out in 2019. I think the release was 2019-ish, something like that. I, believe, I don't have it. I don't know. Yeah. So, Yes. Probably somebody saw us and said, oh, my God, it looks like them. Or somebody saw them and said, oh, my God, Jordan Peele watched them. So if anything, I think the people that did us and the people that did them watch Hitchcock. Yeah. You know? Yep. (laughs) The people that did us and did them read the newspapers. Yeah. And saw that, I don't know how many African-American people, and I'm not going to go into politics in the show. Yep. But you read the paper. Okay, let's put it this way. What are you going to do? A movie about, you know, uh, racially charged things, uh, not racially, uh, um, uh, discrimination against people that has uh, uh, Nike versus Adidas tennis shoes or discrimination against African-Americans in our society? Yeah. Out of the two. It's an important story to tell. People want to tell this story. And then, and then there is only so many ways you can tell it. There is a bunch of white people that hate this black family. There is a bunch of black people that attack this young girl. I mean, there is, that's humanity and it's the myth and, and it's how humanity works. If they're similar, that's an homage. In any case, I find it that that's an homage to Jordan Peele or, or it's an homage to Hitchcock. So I don't think we filmmakers have invented anything. You know, if, if anything, if anything that who invented something is the guy with the hand in the rock, uh, uh, um, in in the 
Paleolithic rocks that painted the little mammoths and the chasing scene. If you look at those, this is what we do. I mean, it looks like, you know, dancing with wolves. Okay, so can you actually tell Kevin Costner that he did Dancing with Wolves and he's actually ripping off the Paleolithic painters? Yeah. Uh, probably he is. Yes, yes, actually he did. <laughs> so what? I don't even like that, the idea of ripping it off. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just silly to me. It's like, I mean, I, I was watching this and honestly, I was getting more Stephen King than anything because I just feel, first of all, I'm more familiar. I, I mean, I saw Us and I saw um, Get Out. And yeah, I mean, I there's similarities in that it's a horror film about a somewhat similar topic, but I really, I was getting more, like you said, Hitchcock, I was getting more, um, Stephen, Stephen King. King, you're completely right. Stephen King and, 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 and anything that, 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 that genre has given us, you know, and, and, and believe me is if there is something similar between, uh, us and them, first of all, I think it's a coincidence that one is called them and the other one is called us because it's probably yes. a perspective. And you have, you know, one of the actresses in um, them was also in us. There are definitely similarities for sure, but I feel like a lot of it is more in the promotion of it in maybe some of the stylistic choices in editing. And so what? Like, so it's what? A homage. I mean, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> exactly. Jordan Peele is really happy to have been... <laughs> Uh, 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 homage in them. And I'm sure, okay, I'm doing a show about the pandemic, the, the opioid pandemic, as I told you. Yes. There are three shows about that right now mm. being done in the world somewhere. Yeah. We are the first one. And there are another two shows. Why? Because what do you think these studio editors do? They open the paper and they read, huh, opioid pandemic. The next morning, ha, opioid pandemic. The next morning, ha, opioid pandemic. By the third day, they called the assistant and said, how many scripts we have there about the opioid pandemic? Yes. 10. Okay, read them all. What is the best one? That one. Okay, let's green light this one. Yeah. That's what they do. Do you think they come up with these ideas? No, they sit in a very comfortable <clears throat> New York or Beverly Hills place with a newspaper <clears throat> or a computer nowadays. So... I don't think humanity has created anything new. We just work around things. You know, listen, we think the the iPhone is the most fantastic creation of humanity. Comic books, imagine comic books. In 1950s, they would yeah, show up point. in your doorstep, in your doorstep every Friday, you know, and that was your iPhone of the weekend. It's a good point. You know, yeah. so every well, generation has his own iPhone. I mean, controversy is good, first of all, because it gets people to think. So, I mean, it's probably a good thing. And people should be watching Jordan Peele's films and them. Like, it's Over it's and all over good. and over. Exactly. It's all good. <laughs> it really yeah, is. It's but, all good. And I'm glad you were able to talk about that. I mean, how? obviously, we have to bring it up. It's a big thing. People are, you know, people are making the comparison. What are you going to do? That was a great explanation. And my personal point is, it's a great show and you should watch it. And you should also go and watch us because it's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. And, and listen, <clears throat> and then you should go and watch some, you know, uh, exploitation movies from the 70s that half yes. of what we do. So watch us and watch them and then watch a few movies from the 70s. And then that inspired both. And then, and inspired both of them. And then yes. watch some horror and then actually grab an Edgar Allan Poe book from 1840, you know, that inspired all of us, including Stephen King. 
<laughs> you know? Exactly. And then you start peeling back, peeling back, peeling back, and you go to the guy with the hand in the rock in the Cro-Magnon painting, you know? That's that. It goes all back to that. <laughs> so we only have about you know, five, 10 minutes left. And there's one more thing I want to discuss with you. And I'd love to give you an opportunity to talk to us about your maybe favorite scene, most challenging scene, and kind of walk us through how you went, how you did it. In episode three, Lucky, um, the, the mother in the family, gets fed up, takes a bus, goes mm. to Watts, where her family, cousins live. Um, she has a great night. Everybody's dancing and having fun and eating. And, and then she takes a bus home. And in the bus ride, she faces her own inner demons. Mm. Such a uh, good scene. It looks so cool. I'm so glad you brought this up. Uh, so, okay, it's a bus ride. And there is some horror happening. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. How do we shoot this? A bus rides in a 1950s bus that is very delicate. It's almost an art. It's almost a historical art piece. Yeah. I cannot do anything to it. It's a beautiful bus that actually drives. I'm like, how are we going to do this? You need to put a camera inside. You need to move the camera in a bus. You cannot take the seats out. She needs to be, I'm not going to spoil it, but if something happens to her, she gets dragged through the floor and she flies all over inside the bus. And all this surrounded by nine feet, 1950s at night with rain. I'm like, no, 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 no. We stopped the whole process. We talk about it. And we created this uh, virtual environment with the LED walls. Ah. So we created a, it wasn't 360, but we, we were able to do 360 by moving walls. Um, so we sent, um, that's where Suki, the cinematographer, very good friend of ours that uh, Javier and myself, he came in and helped me with half of the episode three because I took myself off the episode to be able to be concentrated and do this. In a yeah. feature, I would have had two weeks of prep and shoot that only. Okay. Here, I needed three days of prep and shoot that on a fourth and fifth day. So I had to take myself off one week of actual photography. So that's why Suki came and helped us. Sure. Um, and he did a wonderful job. Um, so basically, we put a bus in a stage that was different than the stage we were shooting because it was a one-time event. So we put a bus in there. We surrounded it with a video wall. Somebody went and drove at night in the particularly good neighborhood with, like, imagine the Google camera with, like, the seven cameras. So, sure. So the Google Street camera. So... We hired a company. They went and drove with nine cameras this time because it was a bus. So we had one camera in front, one camera in the back, one camera sort of in front tilting up, one camera in the back tilting up. So, And then three cameras on the side because you need to stretch the image through the length of the bus. You, yeah, it, so you were essentially like creating your plate for, recreating the, a plate. for the screens. Yes. And then we drove. they drove for a whole night. And then the editor and... The director chose the pieces and we edited uh, seven minutes or whatever amount of time with the bus stopping in a particular place that has a little more light because there was a gas station outside. Oh, wow. We gave it to VFX. They erased a, a little bit of 21st century that was there, you know. So now they gave it to me. I sat down with my gaffer and... 
the video wall operator. So now you're driving a bus and there is a street lamp that goes like that. So therefore, inside the bus, there is an effect of lighting that comes through the street lamp. So it pushes. If you were to drive a bus in the bus, you'll see a shadow coming from the street lamp. Yeah. But now you have to create that because the LED is not strong enough to push light. Makes sense. If yeah. you if you make it strong enough, you cannot shoot it because it's too bright and it yeah. has to be dark and it's a horror movie and it's at night. So we surrounded the bus with uh, a grid of several different LED lights or uh, moving lights. In, and we program it with the LED wall. So when the bus was going this way, my lights were doing that. Wow. At the same time. So no matter where we were, okay, let's forward, fast forward. She's at the bus station now. So you would see, and the actual lights that were there were doing what the LED wall was supposed to create. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty awesome. So I've, I've heard of these, um, LED wall plates being designed in 3d space. I, I haven't heard yet until now, and it's still a new technology, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about plates being created like that are practical, actually driving through a place and filming that. And maybe, I mean, I'm sure somebody listening is saying, how stupid can you be? That's how they do it. But the only times we've talked about it on the show, it's been, the plates have been made in 3D space. And then you can kind of like, as the camera moves, the the, the wall reacts to the camera movement. You know what I mean? Yes, that is, that is called the Unreal Engine. Or yes, one of un- the names exactly, is the Unreal, Unreal Engine. Engine. Uh, this is a little bit more 1950s. Oh. This is, imagine a rear projection, you know? Yeah, yeah. Marilyn Monroe and whoever is driving in the car and you see the background moving. It's exactly like that. The difference is we have an LED. And why LED? Because it's better because you can control it. And now the technology allows you to have an LED that is separated by a millimeter from each diode, blah, blah, blah. 10 years ago, you could have done it. Now you can do it better. Imagine a TV, a big TV, a super large TV near this bus. And that becomes your background plate. Yes, of course, you could do it with green screen. Yes, of course, you could do it with rear projection. LED, it's more malleable and it gives you more options. It gives you more light too. So you really can get like the actual A little bit of light, a little bit of light. If you were doing a car commercial, you probably can only, you can mostly do it with the LED. Because we were doing a horror movie, it has to be dark. So I cannot Uh, use the LED to light. So I need to add to it. And that's what it took a lot of technology, a lot of taste, a lot of knowledge and a lot of work. And then we added wind, rain, and two grips, shaking the bus yeah, and some special effects, um, big airbags. So you inflate one. Yeah. 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 So the bus shakes and then. So wait, so if, because it wasn't through 3d, I mean, um, not what's it called unreal engine. It wasn't with unreal engine. Did that mean that your camera movement, you weren't, you weren't manipulating the background with your camera. Okay. The background in the, if you were sitting in the bus, it felt like it was driving. Wow. I mean, truly, a couple of times people got dizzy because it's like, it's moving, but it's not moving kind yeah. of. Yeah. Because the bus also has only little windows. It's like being on a ride in, in, in Universal. That's what I was thinking. It really seems yeah. like that. It, feel, it feels like that. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. And that was very complicated 
very, very technologically complicated. But if you watch it, it's seamless. You don't know what happened. And yeah, she was driving in a bus. And that's the whole point. Yeah, it, it looks very natural. Well, I mean, natural in the sense that it's also supernatural, but it yeah. looks natural in the in in a cinematography way. Like it, it doesn't it, feels, it doesn't yeah. feel like an effect, and that's the whole exactly. point, you know. That scene is awesome. The whole series is great. And I really think that everybody out there right now listening, for sure, go check it out. All 10 episodes are available now. It's called Them, and it's on Amazon Prime, which, I mean, we all have. Checo, I can't thank you enough for coming back on. I so enjoyed talking with you. I think you have such a cool, like, philosophical approach to filmmaking and cinematography, particularly horror. And um, you're just so expert at it. And I cannot wait to see what you do next. Oh, my God. Me neither. <laughs> thank you crossed. so much thank your audience and uh and keep doing this beautiful work you do because the only way that i can actually be funny is because the questions are good <laughs> well, it's uh, my answers are only as good as the questions are now do you feel more awake now after this oh completely now i can actually talk to you can we do this again <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thank you now, so you did much. a great job and i really appreciate it thank you so much thank you man I want to thank Checo Vereche for coming on the show today and talking to us all about the new Amazon Prime series, Them. Now, he worked with um, Javier Grobe, who also was on Go Creative Show, talking about his work on The Watchmen. So you should check that one out if you haven't already. Um, I also want to thank our producer, Connor Crosby. You can find him at ignitionvisuals.com and Dave Siegel over at siegelsound.com for mixing and mastering and making the show sound so good. Of course, follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Go Creative Show and we are right there, especially YouTube. Make sure you become a subscriber because we have exclusive content just for our YouTube audience that we do not share anywhere else. So it's right there on YouTube. So it's a good way to follow us, become part of the family, and you will be rewarded handsomely for it. Of course, all things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. And if you're interested in what I'm doing as a director and filmmaker and producer, you can learn more at Ben Consoli on both Instagram and Twitter at Ben Consoli. I want to thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next week on another episode of the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers.